Woke psychologists warn against tickling your own children. Researchers say that when some parents initiate the playful behavior sensation, that means tickling, they are doing so because of subconscious sadistic impulses. Dr. Carol Lieberman, a forensic psychiatrist from Beverly Hills, she's been an expert in child abuse cases, recently warned that tickling can interfere with children's concepts of physical boundaries. This is from this is from the Daily Mail. This, I think, is a really important insight into the leftist mentality. For over a century now, the left has been focused on undermining parents' commitment to their children, on undermining the most important bond that exists in this realm, which is the bonds that hold together the nuclear family itself. As I am fond of pointing out, the entire concept of no-fault divorce was itself the work of Soviet Bolshevik social theorists. Why? Because it's all about breaking down the family. Look, what children, what child does not have fond memories growing up of things like this, of getting tickled by their parents or whatever? This is the kind of stuff that parents do to their kids all the time. This impulse to come out and condemn this completely normal behavior, let alone to accuse it of, quote, subconscious sadistic impulses, is coming from a place that wants to undermine the bond between that parent and that child. You know, why does the left constantly bastardize normal human behavior in general when they frequently celebrate every other abnormality known to mankind? What is wrong with parents acting as parents loving their children as they love them. Again, this is ultimately not about tickling. It's about separating that connection between parent and child. In this particular case, Dr. Lieberman, the leftist down in California, has simply found one particular means of trying to achieve her ill-begotten end. The University of Wisconsin-Madison's Diversity, Equity, and Educational Achievement Office is set to host a two-day diversity forum next week called, quote, Bridging the Divide, Realizing Belonging While Engaging Difference. Topics to be discussed at the DEI Summit include a, here we go again, Black, Indigenous, People of Color student panel, Mastering Difficult Conversations, a LGBTQI affinity group, Understanding Linguistic Bias and Discrimination, Ableist Issues, The Power of Inclusion, blah, 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 blah. Guess what's not there? Anti-Semitism. Well, as the case may be, University of Wisconsin-Madison, which is about as far left as a public university in America gets, Madison is an extraordinarily liberal city, and its flagship university there, University of Wisconsin, is a very far left institution. They have had some absolutely horrific anti-Semitism, predictably, over the past month or so. In fact, I saw Dana Lash, my friend, the radio host, tweet out a screenshot from her friend who is the parent of a Jewish student at University of Wisconsin-Madison, and in the screenshotted text message, we see that the student was so intimidated by pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas protesters that they essentially barricaded themselves inside of the Hillel, the Center for Jewish Life on campus, waiting for police to arrive to escort them elsewhere, if I have the details of that correctly. So anti-Semitism is a big problem at the University of Wisconsin. The reason that you are not seeing anti-Semitism addressed at a major DEI summit, and they're instead going down this other intersectional rabbit hole, so-called BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, People of Color. 
The reason for that, it's, it's not an accident. It's not like they just casually omitted Jew hatred from their list. It is structural. It is inherent in the very idea of what DEI is. Barry Weiss, the former New York Times editor and columnist and the founder of the Free Press, her contribution to this wonderful tablet magazine symposium this past week was all about how DEI is structurally anti-Semitic. How is it structurally anti-Semitic? Is the same way that intersectionality and identity politics as the left conceives it is itself anti-Semitic because it divides everything in society into tiers of oppression, into the oppressed and to the oppressors. It's classic Marxist taxonomy. Unfortunately, in this Marxist taxonomy, the Jews, ironically, despite being the most oppressed people in the history of the human species, are the oppressors because they have been disproportionately successful in America in particular when it comes to wealth accumulation, reaching powers, the corridors of power in various companies, inside and out of government, all that. So the entire notion of DEI as the left conceives it is anti-Semitic. It's also obviously anti-white. It's also anti-Christian, but it's very anti-Semitic. This is not an accident. DEI everywhere is a disgusting, disgusting, cancerous tumor, a blight on the American university that should be abolished post-haste. The $300 million unraveling of ESG investing on corporate diversity. So ESG stands for, of course, environmental, social, and governance investing. It's essentially the DEI of investing. So ESG was once the darling of Wall Street. It's witnessing a remarkable slowdown. Assets under management and ESG funds declined from $339 billion in the second quarter to $315 billion by the end of September. Just three years ago, diversity was a significant talking point for executives at many big companies, but the number of S&P 500 companies now mentioning ESG in their first quarter earnings call was actually just 74. That was the lowest number in nearly three years, down from a peak that was more than double that, 156, in Q4 2021. The upshot here is that this is a rare issue that conservatives are actually winning on. The right has, by any measure been winning when it comes to the correct and righteous pushback against ESG. And the right is winning when it comes to the pushback against ESG for the very simple reason that ESG is totally ludicrous, is totally nonsensical. When you are investing in a company, whether you are a mom and pop investor, whether you are a day trader, whether you are saving up for your 401k or your IRA or your retirement account, what do you want to do with that money? You're trying to get a return. You're trying to make it easier to retire or to live off of your retirement. You're trying to make money. Shouldn't it be obvious that any sort of paradigm, analytical lens, or metric that would misalign investment from investment returns would be deeply unpopular? Yeah, of course it would. The problem with ESG for years is that the right... First of all, it didn't notice it was happening. We were caught off guard for a while by the extent to which Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, the major index funds were engaging in these sort of shenanigans. And then even once we realized it, we struggled for a while to actually explain it. 
But that pushback has now been happening at the, at the state level for a while in states like Florida and Texas, forcing their state level funds, their pension funds to disinvest from anything remotely smacking of ESG. There are now numerous anti-ESG mutual funds, ETFs, index funds out there. This is all correct. It is a rare issue where the right has actually been winning for a while now. My only hope because again, ESG is simply the investing version of DEI. My only hope is that this tremendous success against ESG will soon translate into the ultimate eradication of the DEI cancer itself in the American University campus and in the American boardroom. This is The Josh Hammer Show.